Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the business of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Ann and Lewis are speaking with Dr. Oladari Odomusu, Executive Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer, and Head of the Pharmaceutical Division for Alera Healthcare, a medical cannabis company in Pennsylvania. Alera Healthcare is headquartered in Newton Square and has a dispensary in Plymouth Meeting, right outside of Pennsylvania. Their branded products are also sold in a number of non-Alera dispensaries in the state. Dr. Otomosu has a PhD in biochemistry and is an experienced healthcare entrepreneur and World Bank certified public health professional. He has shepherded the development of pharmaceuticals through FDA approval and the marketing that occurs afterward. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our interview. Dare. Welcome to the pod. We are totally psyched to be talking with you. Um, last week, Ann and I um, talked with a friend and I think a business partner of yours, Dr. Shonda Macias. Um, and it was literally one of the best conversations that we've had on the podcast. Um, so you've got a really high hurdle to jump here, my friend. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a joy to be here. And yes, uh, no one that I know so far tops uh Dr. Shanda Macias, uh, who is uh, one of our business partners on the Ilera Holistic uh, side of our business. Uh, um, we have a license in Louisiana, uh, Ilera Holistic Healthcare, and she's the president of Ilera Holistic Healthcare, but also just a great, uh, a great partner to have on the business side and just a phenomenal person. Uh, as a, you know, just, just a quick shout out to Shanda. You could almost feel her heart, the heart of who she is. Just the way she smiles. Shanda is Shanda. I mean, that's what yeah. she is. She's just amazing. Well, let's jump in and talk a little bit about what you guys are doing with on the Alaria healthcare side. Um, and congrats on the win um, in Louisiana. But but from the Pennsylvania entity, you guys are are vertically integrated, right? So you you grow, you process, you dispense medical medical only cannabis in Pennsylvania. Um, we know that it's not easy to grow great product and it takes a, a, a fine mixture of science and art to process the plant into oils for vaping and topicals and edibles. Um, and you know, for that retail outlet for you, what part of the process is the hardest? What is, what is, you just said you're a glass half full person, but be a little empty for a minute. What drives you nuts? <laughs> so, uh, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, um, uh, it was June 2017 when the first set of uh, grower processor and dispensary licenses were awarded. And we were one of the first uh, license winners and one of only five at the time that were vertically integrated. And that was the first, that was the, you know, the inaugural licensing in the state of Pennsylvania at the time. And uh, yes, you know, we come from the pharmaceutical space and we see cannabis as medicine. And that's part of our DNA and our thesis statement. And at the time, the state uh, very, very specifically uh, approved some formats of uh, which edibles did not make this round of, of, uh, of formats, just uh, uh, vaporizables, uh, of which the state makes a distinction very clearly between combustion and vaporization. Uh, we have topicals, uh, we have liquid forms, we have capsules. 
uh, but no no edibles and no no smoking. And since then, we embarked on uh, on a <clears throat> on an adventure, on a, on a learning experience to uh, cultivate from scratch. Uh, we built a sixty-seven thousand square foot facility. So, I, you know. So, so did you guys have background in growing? Because, you know, every, everybody who grows says, I've got the, the greatest grower in the history of the world. I mean, he's been out there. You know, he, was, he, was, he grew this shit in the black market. Um, where was your guys' experience? No, we've never grown cannabis before. And again, that, that underscores the, the heart of what, how we see this. See, uh, we, we came at this as we're not, we're first of all in, in the business of making medicine. But it happens to be cannabis, and we could talk about that a little bit more. Just to answer, um, I think it's Anne's question. On that note, is you know, so we yes, we jumped into growing, processing, and dispensing, having never done it before. How did you win? How did you win a license? I mean, usually, you know, they look at people who have some history in in the industry. Well, when you when you look at when you look at the space, never in the history of cannabis, <coughs> never in the history of ever has cannabis been grown in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, legally, at least, <laughs> you know. So um, our thesis statement is that if truly this is a medicine, then cannabis is an active pharmaceutical ingredient. And think about it, 80% of the world's medicine, about 80 or more that we consume today came from natural products, came from the earth. One way or another, people figured it out to do it. And with our background in pharmaceuticals, and I should have you know that three of our founding mem members at a point in time, sat or controlled or invested or divested, whichever language is appropriate, the world's largest natural library of products uh, during their days at uh, GSK Ventures through the acquisition at that time. So we know, uh, we understand how to, how to develop medical products, medicinal uh, products, components from natural libraries of which we do see that cannabis, uh, the history of cannabis really fit in that. So, and uh, personally, my last eight years was in drug development. So we figured that if we get the right people on the bus and the idea of having cannabis experience, somebody who's grown cannabis, we knew we would be able to find the right people to grow it because we are business people first. And we understand how to build and run pharmaceutical type businesses. So that was the, that was the, that was what we had. The challenge, like you asked in your question, cuts across every field. Again, learning something com completely new, uh, building that car and having to drive it at the same time. In four and a half months, we built the facility. We were approved to put clones in the ground. And um, so to sort of separate it and then tie it together. The challenges and the nuances of each part of that growing extraction and retail are very, very unique. So within growing very quickly, you, we, 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 we quickly learned that um, the energy requirements was an emerging field. Um, mm -hmm. So lights, there was no, you know, so when we built out the 40,000 square foot of our grove, one of the challenges was do we outfit all of the rooms? But one of the ways we really thought about it is with the emerging technologies in that space, we outfitted just five of the rooms. And we rolled the rooms out very strategically that gave us room to learn. That gave us room to grow and to be able to do better. Grow as in pun intended? Uh, well, yes, pun, full pun intended, in fact. 
So that came with its own challenges and building the team. We were very fortunate to find a grower who had come through the space and at the time was uh, was uh, running a very large grow in Puerto Rico, but was ready to return back to the United States with his family. And uh, we found him a home with us. And he's a phenomenal. He's not just a grower. In fact, we I like to think about him as, as a vice president of operations because he brought his agriculture. He would say to us, he goes, Dari, this might sound crazy to you, but when I think about the growers I want to hire on my team, if they cannot grow potato or tomato, then they can't grow cannabis. <laughs> Give him a shout out. What's his name? Uh, um, shout out to Andy. Andy Sack. <laughs> Andy Sack is a new dad. Um, so uh, we're very happy. We have a new baby uh, Sack, baby Penny. It's a new part of our family. So he's on daddy duties right now. But Andy Sack is a phenomenal, phenomenal I know everybody has the best grower, but I tell you, we got Andy. Well, let's and let's talk about what you what you bring to the table because your background is pretty fascinating. I mean, you come from a very science the, the scientific side of it. Um, you've got your PhD. Um, what made you make the leap from from academia and from the the pharmaceutical side of life to the business of cannabis? I have to imagine it's got to be um, quite different from from being in a lab, right? Yes. So I was in the lab um, uh, back during my PhD. So my background is simple. I have an undergrad in biology with a minor in biochemistry. I have a P- uh, uh, I w- then I moved to California where I did a master's in epidemiology and biostatistics. And I transitioned and got a PhD in biochemistry with a focus on sort of the molecular medicine and uh, uh, immune, oh, that, immune that's, response. That's so simple. No big. You know, that's sort of my background. And I was able to uh, transition to the pharmaceutical development space. Uh, look at that guy's face. It's <laughs> Lewis just posted a photo, it's quite interesting. So I was able to transition to the pharmaceutical space to join a pain company that at the time was focused on developing um, a, the submicron class of non, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Hmm. Basically, the, the platform of that company was how do we continue to deliver uh, medicines that have real efficacy, but also address the side effect profiles. And at the time I joined the company, I joined in the business development space. We were doing business in, um, the company had current assets across the world, but very specifically the skill sets I learned as a scientist translated into the business of pharmaceuticals. When PA now started considering the licensing, I put my hand up and said, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Everything I have done in my life was leading me to this. And I have a personal cannabis story. I don't know if I'm okay, if it's okay. Yes, yes. we would love it. Yeah. Um, I like to say cannabis saved my life. That's my personal. I was raised like a lot of people are, conservative, uh, 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 Christian, and uh, even in Nigeria where cannabis is illegal. If you got caught, you went to jail. So you can imagine all of my life, I was the guy who would tell you, do not talk to me about cannabis. When did you come from, from Nigeria to the U.S.? I came, uh, that was 2001. I, I came to college in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Shout out to Calvin College. Um, <laughs> I was raised out there for four years. And then, uh, so 
that's why I came to the United States. So you couldn't talk to me about cannabis all through college, a few people here and there, not my thing. During my first grad school, not my thing. Through my um, PhD program in California, where you could go get a card for 50 bucks, it was not my thing. As a matter of fact, I was the guy who would have arguments as to you know the legalities of it and all that. Until I was in the middle of defending my thesis of getting ready for my thesis defense, actually, and I had insomnia. So I've heard people talk about, oh, when you don't sleep, you start to see things, you know, it's like being drunk. Okay, I was in it. Fast forward quickly, it was about the end of the second day. I was starting to feel like if I don't sleep tonight, something is going to happen. Um, a friend gave me Ambien. It was day three. I was really seeing things. And I, I my joke today is that it's a thin line between the reality of somebody sitting in front of you or, or your mind telling you it's not real. And I was at that point, and a buddy of mine named Max said, dude, literally, this is how he said it. He said, smoke a joint, man, you're going to be fine. And I go, how could you? Like, get behind me, Satan, you know? Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> get behind you with a lighter, right? Exactly, right? Fine. Max was persistent. And Max said, dude, I can, you know, I'll get you a card. He goes, dude, I'm, you know, I, anyways, I said, I feel like I'm going to die today if I don't use something that's going to help me sleep. And at that point I was willing to try. I, I was, you know, it, it got really bad. Anyways, fast forward through the day, got a card, went to a dispensary. I could not tell you today what it was that I bought the first time. I don't remember, but he rolled up a joint. I took a few puffs. And I fell asleep shortly afterwards. And it felt like five minutes. But I had been asleep for about nine hours. I woke up the next day back to my normal preppy step. Like nothing happened. And do you, do you still have a good relationship? I mean, are you using regularly now? I am a patient employee. Yes, I am. I am not only a patient employee. I, like to, I, I know for a fact that the choice I made to try cannabis is probably the reason today I am not dependent on, 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 on marijuana. Oh, sorry. Sorry. On, um, on sleep med, like an Ambien or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and I also have pain. I have chronic pain, uh, in my ankle. I have a split fracture uh, in my ankle and I like to run. So I get that pain and it's documented. So, you know, I could be the guy who is popping, you know, God knows what today. But I, I can tell you that I'm not using any of those except my, my medicine, my medical cannabis. So the research you did on, on NSAIDs um, and pain medicine, how has that informed the work that you're doing in cannabis now? Because there are direct correlations between using cannabis and pain management and some of the work that you've done. Absolutely. I mean, I bring to the table the full grant of my scientific expertise um, as a, and also the platform for which I really worked was on immunology. So as a biochemist, I do, I understand how the body interacts, how the body talks about, how the body, you know, the, 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 the pathways, the, the activations of different chemical, canonical pathways through the body. So it has allowed me in formulations to really think past the you know, the cursory explanation. This is just an answer. Oh, this is beta-caryophyllene binds to CB2. Well, what does that really mean? 
I know what that means as a biochemist, right? The upregulation of anandamide in the presence of X, Y, and Z, the entourage effect, which some people, oh, but which I, by virtue of my expertise and my understanding, I actually think I think it's more of a, an ensemble effect because entourage means that there's a lead and then there's a follow. But an ensemble, think you you, you picture it in, in, in form of the orchestra is playing together. So that has allowed me to formulate medicines at Ilera that today I would say, for example, take um, the Ilera tinctures that we have, um, the testimonials, the anecdotes, and just the outcomes uh, reporting that over the last one year we've seen, or, or actually less than a year, it's gonna be a year in May since we put our products out, have been overwhelmingly positive, overwhelming across several indications based on the therapeutic benefits. Well, can we, and, and I think, it, Lewis, I'm jumping around on the script here, so sorry about that. <laughs> but can we talk for a minute about some of the brands um, that you guys are working on? So you've got, um, you know, wide a wide selection of like THC to CBD ratios. So the one-to-ones, the eight-to-ones, the one-to-tens uh, with the brand names like Shine and Dream and Ease. Um, why go with the product names um, and what are you selling the most of it? Or, or I guess the another way to ask that question is, you know, what are the, the most common maladies for which patients are coming to receive treatment in Pennsylvania? Um, that's a really good question. In the state of Pennsylvania, uh, 17 conditions were initially um, approved, serious conditions. Um, that was subsequently expanded to 21. And we just received word of another possible expansion to 23, which would include the addition of anxiety and Tourette's. Oh, so wow. our, our current, yes, our current list right now includes uh, chronic pain, uh, neuropathy, cancer-induced uh, nausea and vomiting, um, um, epilepsy, autism, PTSD, and, and a, a host of other very serious uh, conditions, uh, multiple, multiple sclerosis and the likes. Um, when I sort of think about the underlying cluster symptoms that are associated with a number of this, uh, somebody who has uh, chronic pain is not able to focus on their life. So quality of life and the capacity to function is affected. That same person may experience sleep, the capacity to fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, that same person may, uh, you know, we talked about pain already, or somebody who has MS has um, um, automatic um, um, uh, coordination at the central nervous system is affected, as well as feelings of anxiety uh, or feelings of depression and so on and on. So I call them this cluster symptoms. And within the cluster symptoms, there are some very unique manifestations, sleep, pain, the capacity to, to, to sort of for your body to be in a state of rest while you're functioning, and just the capacity to be functional and to have energy. So in building, in, in taking the anecdote of what we know about cannabis and the research that we know up until the point as a starting point, then you look at anecdotes and the bringing together of anecdote and science, what I call allowing science to verify anecdote and for anecdote to confirm science, allowed me to look at functional ratios. How do these cannabinoids almost synthesize the endocannabinoid system, which we already have? 
So what is the known function of the cannabinoid system that is within our bodies? And what do they do? So bringing the science together and then looking at how people have reported that it worked allowed us to come up with this very unique ratios in combinations with terpenes that have both primary and secondary ensemble effect, right? Together to give this very unique therapeutic benefits. And so far, like I said, with about a year of economic data behind us, we have seen that uh, DREAM, for example, um, I mean, the testimonials go on. <coughs> a patient told me that I have not had good sleep in my, in my entire adult year. Another patient told me that they've been taking, I'm not gonna say the, the, the very particular sleeping medication for 35 years. For example, our patient. Why wouldn't you name it? It's it's an FDA approved drug. I mean, you know. Well, somebody said they've been taking Valium for 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 thirty five years, and I you know to go to sleep at night. Um, but I'll tell you a very powerful story. Our patient number one at our dispensary. So mind you, in the state of PA, as a girl processor, who also has not every girl processor has a dispensary license. We want both, which made us vertically integrated. At our dispensary, but we also sell to all of the dispensaries that are open in the state as well. Our patient number one was a 91 or 92-year-old man who was wow. in the But above that, this is a man that grew up in Eastern Europe, where if you it was the death sentence if you use cannabis. He was now wheelchair-bound, living in America. In his lifetime, he had the opportunity to use cannabis to treat his condition. He used to receive an epidural in his back. I don't know if he was weekly or monthly or whatever it was. But on May 5, or was it May 4 or 5, when he bought Shine, which was a, our one-to-one our, our -one formulation with limonene and, and, and a very unique selection of terpenes and some botanicals in the tincture form, like green tea and citrus and ginger for energy and focus, he told his daughter and his son-in-law that he did not want his epidural anymore. And before this man passed away about a year later, he was on his feet. He walked wow. again. He was moving around. I mean, so I could talk till I'm blue in the face. So our tinctures are really top sellers because they're, you know, people who are using cannabis for some of these conditions feel very comfortable using dosage forms like they're used to, right? Tinctures, syrups, capsules. I, am, I have not yet released our capsules into the marketplace yet because I am being very methodical about those formulations. Well, if you want to send samples, I'm sure we would be happy to, to test them for you. Unfortunately, I wish I could, but, you know, the state, I don't look good in orange jumpsuits because if I... <laughs> but should you come to PA and become a PA resident and, we, and, and uh, you have one of those conditions and we get your card, we will make sure we send you so patients first with us does pennsylvania accept cards from other states is there a reciprocal program not at the moment but uh dc accepts uh pa cards uh at least i know that for a fact 
Okay. I And I have a question. This isn't in our script either. I just thought of it. If you could put on your, your dream hat right now, if you, if you worked at the FDA um, and legality wasn't an issue and you could craft a study or, uh, or, or something that, that kind of looked at the efficacy of cannabis and certain, um, uh, certain issues, what would that study look like? What information do you are, is lacking for you right now that you would love to see? That is a very, very powerful question. So let's take Thanks. a step back. <laughs> what, the, what allows us to be able to, for the FDA, what are the two, two or three of the main questions the FDA seeks to answer when you go before them and say, I have this new drug for condition X. Your, your, your package must show that the drug does what it says it's going to do, efficacy. If, it is, if the primary endpoint is to reduce testosterone as a way of, of, uh, of uh, reducing tumor size and prostate cancer, does it do that? Is it efficacious, right? Two, is it safe? Are people going to remain alive by taking this? And the third thing is, through PK studies and, 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 and the likes, how much of it can we take? Today in cannabis, we're not able to do any of that. So the mustard test for drug approval is still not available to cannabis. We are at the state level being very creative within the provisions of the law to uh, look at outcomes, patient reported outcome studies. We're able to conduct some uh, product specific pharmacokinetic studies. We're able to do some associative proof of concept studies, but I would love to be able to design a double blind uh, head to head bioequivalence, non-inferiority, because think about it. The goal here, if truly the goal here is to get drugs approved that address the serious conditions like everything else, then cannabis should have the same opportunity and we should be able to probe it just like we probe everything else. That's, that's what I would say. So to remind our audience, we are speaking with Dr. Oludare uh, Odomusu, Chief Scientific Officer and Head of the Pharmaceutical Division for Alera Healthcare. Um, so, Dare, I want to take a step back a little bit because we had talked a, just a moment you had mentioned about growing up in Nigeria. Um, and, and it turns out that most Americans don't think of the relationship between cannabis and Africa very well. Um, and Nigeria has a long history with it. There are about 14% of the, the, the country, 27 million people smoke cannabis versus about 23% of Amer Americans who smoke, you know, on a frequent basis. What is the cannabis culture in, in Nigeria like? Um, in Nigeria, which is my home country, shout out to Nigerians. Tomorrow is the election. And I want to say to people, let's make Nigeria great. Let's make Nigeria better. Please don't sell your vote. Vote a leader that is going to, you know, think about your future. This is going to air. Sadly, it's going to air after the election. Um, but hopefully everything turned out the way you wanted it. Hey, so again, right, this is it's timely, right? Because one of the things that I've talked about, if I had an opportunity to inform the current uh, um, um, candidates, is that we need to separate, first of all, um, um, hemp and cannabis in Nigeria. Right now, if you're found with either or, it's a, uh, don't quote me on this, it's more than a 10-year jail time you're looking at. So the cannabis culture in Nigeria is underground. It is illegal. 
um, in Nigeria. However, like you've rightly said, um, it is a growing culture um, amongst not even just the young, the youth and people that are, you know, sub 40, but even amongst our, you know, the baby boomer generation. But it is all underground. And since I, I joined the cannabis space, I've been, you know, I've kept my ears to the ground. We are truly ripe for that conversation, but legally we cannot have it yet. And our neighbors all the way down south in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, and I'm hearing rumbles about Kenya and even some rumbles about Ghana are starting to, um, to explore that conversation. I would love to see, and I am, you know, you know, volunteering my knowledge, my expertise, and, and people who are ready to, to help countries like mine, Nigeria, really consider how we, how we uh, engage this, this cannabis conversation. Um, we don't want to be left behind, especially for the sake of, of our people that need the help today. Dari, you mentioned a couple of countries in, in Southern Africa that have either medical programs or are exploring adult use programs. Would you consider doing legitimate double-blind drug tests like you were describing before in Africa and then taking that data and bringing it back here? Or is that something you've even considered or did I just blow your mind? Um, so as with every, <laughs> I clearly did not blow your mind, which is totally fine. Well, so, so this is the thing as with everything, clinical trials, there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Um, there's a, there's a long history of conducting critical clinical trials in Africa wrongly and taking advantage of, of the broken system. I would not want to be a part of that at any point in time. But do I want to be a part of the emerging knowledge base, even in my in Africa? The answer is yes. Um, um, today, um, the the United States remains the world's global, sort of gold standard. If you get a drug FDA approved, it holds a lot of weight. So you find most people at even at they have products approved, uh, they can do it faster in Australia to get some preliminary data. They still want to come to the United States. And, and repeat those studies uh, in the United States and get it approved in the United States under the rigor that we have here. Um, to be able to do that across the world on a very, very transparent platform is something that every young scientist dreams about. To be able to bring about true help, true medicine, right, that has, gone, that has passed the master test is, is my joy. I'd be very happy to participate in that. What are your thoughts on um, the uh, the evolution of, of medical cannabis, but also the branching off into the synthetic side of it? I mean, are you, is that, and I don't even, this is probably an ignorant question. Are you pro-synthetics? Are you anti-synthetics? Um, what's, what is your thinking there? Um, so it's, first of all, um, it is not a stupid question. Again, right? I am very committed to education. I, I myself, I'm a, I like to think I'm a perpetual student. So the question of synthetics or not goes back to what I said earlier, which is the drugs we take today, more than 80% of them came from the earth. We have over time been able to adapt natural products into products that we can produce and manufacture commercially, right? due to some of the constraints we have with growing and, 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 and extractions, like some of the things we're seeing in cannabis today. 
Um, I come from the pharmaceutical industry, but I come from the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on reducing side effect profiles. So um, I, I, if it's okay with you, I, I don't think it's, it's right for me to say that I am pro or against synthetic. I am pro development of drugs that are truly efficacious, that are safe, that are affordable, and that are touching lives. Our primary mission is to change lives. There are people that, at the end of all of this that we're doing, are real people, people with serious conditions, people like me, who God knows where I could have ended up if I was not, if I did not get help. And medical cannabis saved my life. So maybe someday we'll have the opportunity to efficiently grow extract, synthesize compounds, whether it's in combination, it's in adjuvant forms, it is a combination of phyto and synthetic, as long as we're working towards helping people in a, with a good heart, first of all, right? That the purpose is that one, we want to help people medically, then we're good. Dari, can you tell us about your company a little bit more about Alera? Um, you're in, in Pennsylvania, you're expanding into Louisiana. Um, what what does the next couple of months or a couple of years look like for your company? Um, so Ilera Healthcare is a Pennsylvania conceived. I like to say we're PA conceived, we're PA born, and we're PA raised um, medical uh, marijuana company. Our focus is really to touch lives. We call that the Ilera effect. So we when we sort of talk very seriously, we think about why do we do this? What is our thesis statement? To innovate in the cannabis space to be compassionate and to be responsible. And that is our primary focus uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. There's about 1.5 million people across 21 approved conditions. Um, my goal is that if we can touch many, you know, if you allow me to put my dream hat on, all of those lives positively, then I would have done what Hilera Healthcare was born to do. You're also right, um, through our partnership with Marcias, shout out to Shanda once again. Um, in the Ilera Holistic Healthcare, we uh, operate the license at Southern University, which is one of two licenses in the state of Louisiana. Through that partnership, we are able to clinically, it's a clinical research license, serve the state of Louisiana. Um, and, you know, primarily today, that's our, our goal. You know, people have asked, oh, are you looking to expand? I say, you know, we're keeping our eyes on where the markets are going, but not, uh, our, my mother's people would say, in reaching for new fruit, do not drop the ones you have picked. So oh, I love that. That's our philosophy. In reaching for new fruit, we don't want to drop the ones we've picked. And today, our heart, our soul, at Ilera Healthcare is with the is with the people of Pennsylvania. Well, and, and Pennsylvania is a huge market that is completely underserved. So it's not like you are, are going to be abandoning a robust market that is penetrated with hundreds of dispensaries and, and you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of patients. There's a lot of room to grow for Alera in, in the state, right? Yes, that is correct. And that's what we wake up to do every day. Um, I started my role as the chief operating officer 
and transitioned to the chief scientific officer and the executive vice president of our former division, very specifically to do that, to focus on serving. Uh, our, you know, we realized that the, 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 man, there's a lot of work to do and we've only just begun. I mean, I'd also like to touch on um, the the makeup of your company. So Alera has two uh, African-Americans in leadership roles, including yourself. Um, and, you know, the chairman of your company is Osage Imasage. Did I pronounce that right? Okay. You got that right. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, this is unusual in the medical cannabis industry or in the cannabis industry in general. Um, you know, African-Americans are, are traditionally very underrepresented. Um, why is that and how can we do better? You know, if I can expand your, your your statistics, you know, both of us actually were African first, right? And and then American. Uh, that is even more rare, right? That, right. You know, the, the likes of Osage are unicorns in, in forget the cannabis space, um, in, in corporate America. Um, uh, you know, as the chairman of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, you know, corporate world. And he served as the chair of several um, um, pharmaceutical uh, companies in in very high leadership roles. We have to do better, not just in cannabis for the world, because the true beauty of getting the best out of anything we do is, in my opinion, and I strongly believe this, is connected to the strength of our diversity. Um, we like to joke that if there was a contest and somebody was to build a team that of just one type of people, black, red, white, green, just one type, and you give us the opportunity to put a team together of diverse minds, faces, skill sets, people that don't look like me, people that look like me, you know, black, brown, white, oh, we would beat your posterior. We will beat <laughs> you. We will beat you good. So. You, by the way, you can say you can beat your ass. You, know, you don't have to say posterior. Hey, only if my mom is not listening to this part. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Two so, shout outs to your mom. Shout out I to hope mother. she does listen. Yes, I, you know, I will send it to her. So on a very serious note, um, we, we all can do better. We, in the cannabis space, which is a new and emerging space, we've been handed now a tabula rasa. And our company, we take that very seriously. Uh, we have women. Uh, we have women of color. Uh, across the board, um, 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 in 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 roles of responsibility across several levels, and that is really when we have a tabula rasa to do it differently. Let's do it differently because we know better, and at Ilera we know better, and we want to do better. And our leadership has shown it. Uh, our the chair of our board is African. Our the vice chair of our board is a woman. Uh, we, you know, my CEO likes to joke that when he looks around the room, he's the only white guy. There's something, <laughs> you know, there's something interesting about that as a team, not necessarily because he's the only one, we, you know, our, our team is very diverse, but because we all acknowledge that, wow, there are different ways we all see things. There are different ways we do things. And those, when we bring all of those together, we are shooting for the best. So again, right, I would take this challenge against anybody, put two teams together. Let me build my team and anyone who believes that just one type of people can, you know, are the right people. And I promise you, we will be, we will, we will whoop their behind. I promise you that. Can we go back to Pennsylvania for a second? Because the state 
um, you know, there is a there is a lot of conversation that the state is going to try and adopt adult use sometime in, in the near future. Um, and and states like New Jersey and New York have been now talking about this for a while. Um, and amazingly, you know, for New Jersey in particular, um, it is the African-American community that has been the, the the roadblock or, you know, I wouldn't call it a roadblock, but they've been slowing the process down because of issues of social justice, because of the issues of social equity. Um, what does it look like in Pennsylvania? You know, is it is it the GOP that's slowing the process down or is it the African-Americans who are, want to make sure that, that they are represented appropriately? What is the 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 adult use um, movement look like and, and who's the champions and who's slowing it? So, you know, remember we studied this and I said, uh, I'm a I'm a glass full type of guy. Yes. So I'm going to answer that question with that. Um, the as we speak, the lieutenant governor is on a state tour, a listening tour, and he's going around the entire state and he's listening and taking in opinions to be able to advise the governor's office and the executive on how the program could benefit or move forward in adult use. Um, I don't think we benefit in any way from who is or who is not letting the program move forward. But the conversation of social justice is due. The conversation around social justice is important. Well, and I'm not saying, by the way, in New Jersey and New York that they're, that it's wrong. I mean, I think it is, you're right. It is really important that these issues be addressed so that it is not the new market entrants that have all the benefit. It is also the historic market participants who have the ability to benefit. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, my recommendation is that after this listening tour is over, that they gather all that all parties are represented at the table. Do you see where I'm going with that? That the issue is if the conversation is had in such a way that a certain segment of the of, of, of the representation is missing, then there's a chance to be able to think just in one way. But when everybody's at the table and we look at both the good, the bad, and the ugly then we're gonna make compromises that move the ball forward. Now, it doesn't mean everyone is gonna be ecstatic, but we would have addressed all the issues. And I don't think it's gonna be easy, but I think it's important. Um, you know, one thing I would tell you that I feel very strongly about is that given the history, given the very, <laughs> very bad history of medical marijuana, and the, the black and brown people in America, the disparate, you know, the disparity between on how um, black and brown people have been convicted relative to uh, uh, predominantly white males who have committed the same crimes with possessions, with cannabis. Then when the laws were passed to legalize cannabis, the fact that if you have a possession related charge, which are mostly black and brown people, you cannot uh, participate in the program, those need to be addressed. Because guess what? Now it's legal, people. People are making money. So somebody is in jail for a possession charge of a gram. And they, you know, they should be, I, I'm very strong, they should be let go. We're making money on this thing now. It is legal. Why are people still sitting in jail for something? So any bill that goes out and addresses 
um, adult use, which is responsible use and and free use, should come with expungement. Should come with a path to 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 clearing um, 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 uh, the way for people with records to be able to participate economically. That's fair. That's equal, and that's equitable, and it's above all that's right. It is. That's what I would like to see. Dari, we're down to our last two questions because um, we want to be respectful of your time. Oh, not a problem. But I could talk for another hour if you wanted. These conversations are important, but I want to be respectful of your time. You've been in the industry now for a few years, and you've uh, learned a lot of hard questions. All right, so a year. All right. Yeah, well, well, if you could go back to you in college, right, when you were a knight um, at Calvin College. Yeah, go uh, knights! <laughs> um, what advice would you give yourself Knowing what you know today, what would you be telling yourself then about getting into the cannabis industry? Oh, my goodness. Wow. If I knew today what I knew back then, there's some things I still would have done. I still will pursue a PhD because it allows me everything I've done um, as, as, as a lead formulator and as somebody responsible for creating the medicines and building the right teams around how we look at this as a medicine, that still brings me a lot of joy. But I would advise my young self at that time to be a lot more, um, I would, I wish my mind was as open as it is today, way back then. I wish I, again, right, it's not for lack of, knowledge but i think it was a socialization i would i would really wish that my mind was that i had allowed myself so I would, my advice to young people today is that because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's always bad but that we should we should engage the conversation instead of close our minds i have been able to step into the cannabis space because as an adult almost at the cusp of 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 my own life Right, being you know, God knows what could have happened to me was when I learned a lesson. I wish that I it didn't come to that. I wished I could have learned the same lesson. But I would also encourage people that the very same skill sets that you learn across life can be applied into any brand new space. We stand at a time in history where we can say that we are molding what what is the the, the what will become the next generation of healthcare, healthcare 2.0 in whatever way you want to, 3.0, whatever it is, point. That is a rare opportunity to be a part of that. So I would have told my young self then, be awake, be alert, because when opportunity comes, be ready. Opportunity meets the one who is prepared. So be, I, would, I wish I was a lot more prepared, because I've had a lot of learning <laughs> to do, and it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a joy. Dari, you, you've mentioned your mom um, a couple of times in this interview. Um, and, you know, what does your family think about about what you're doing here in the U.S.? What does your, your family back in Nigeria, Nigeria think? What do they think here? Um, is, it, is it stigmatized? Is it, you know, what the heck is this crazy guy doing? Or is it, is it accepted? I got to tell you, right, you know, fortune favors the courageous or favors the brave. Um, it is only crazy people that do big things. Um, my parents thought when I first, so when I thought 
when I left my previous employment in 2016 to join at risk Ilera, I did not tell my parents. My grandpa <laughs> even found out before my parents did. Because as, as predicted, I went to Nigeria for the holiday and I was coming back in January 2017. And I, on my way out the door of their room, I was just like, hey, by the way, this, this, this. And if you could see me on video, when a mother or a father and both put their hands on their head in Nigeria or, you know, in, in the Nigerian culture. Oh, you're in trouble. Means, no, it means that there's no hope. Hope is lost. Oh. My son has lost his mind. My son is crazy. <laughs> this is our oldest son. So, you know, the next thing that happens is they scream. When they put their hands on their head, they scream and ask for help. Like, oh, my God, help me. So, right, that's what happens. My mom put her hands on her head. The first time I told her I was going to work in cannabis. And I could just see on her face, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I said to them, I said, Mom, Dad, I did not come to this decision lightly. And if you ask me questions, I will share with you. Well, you should have said I didn't come to this decision high. <laughs> oh, my God. If I could go back, that's what I'd say. But uh, I tell you, but I tell you today, today, my parents are very proud of me. My siblings are because they've come to an understanding of what I do. They've come to appreciate it. My parents and my siblings do come here to visit me. And I will be back in Nigeria in March where, where I hope to engage this conversation on my trip home because now there's a certain acclaim to what I do and a lot of people want to talk to me and ask me questions. Would you go into, I mean, would they, would your church allow you to come in and talk about the benefits of, just not what you're doing specifically, but the benefits of medical cannabis? Because, you know, we've talked with others who are going, like Shonda, is going into churches to educate the African-American community here. Um, could you do the same thing in Africa? I can't do it easily, but I'm going to push for it. As a matter of fact, to be very honest with you, what you just said is actually on my agenda. Um, um, the pastor of my parents' church, he's, you know, I'm not putting him on the spot, but he's a very forward thinking man. And I, I have, you know, and several members of the faith based community have had an opportunity. We engage. How do we resocialize ourselves? It starts with the family, then the places of worship or the places of gathering, like the church, the mosque, and places of worship. And those are the kinds of things, right? So if I'm really saying, yeah, I'm committed to education. Then I also, I mean, I have to be the guy whose shoe gets burned from walking the long mile, right? So, um, yeah, if I'm truly committed to this, then I have, I'm going to have those conversations everywhere I can. And I'm going to try to, you know, not, I don't expect everybody to buy into it today. Because think about my, I have to be fair, right? It took me till I was 26 before I ever tried cannabis. So I'm, I'm sensitive to that, recognizing the history. And, and the pain that is associated with it. Somebody asked me a word, uh, said, you know, speak word. When you say, uh, when you hear marijuana, what comes to mind? Mine is jail. Hmm. It's not even high. Mine is jail. So you can appreciate why a mother, a father, would of not course. want out to do that, to, to, to have that uh, interaction with cannabis. But we've turned a new leaf, people. And my saying today is, when you have a tabula rasa, do not paint a Picasso. Paint a Lewis. Paint a Dare. Paint your own. So today, you know, I'm committed. Oh my to God, nobody is painting me, man. <laughs> you know, Trust don't me. you paint yourself, man. Don't don't do something that somebody else has done. You know, so I don't want to paint a Picasso. I want to paint Dare. 
And Dari's path today is to help the world understand that we will make good medicine from cannabis that would help change lives. And also, we hope to resocialize ourselves and learn that, you know, that we were wrong. It's okay to say we were wrong or we didn't know better, but now we do. So I love that. So, Dari, we have one more question for you. We call it while you were sleeping. What is the most underreported story in cannabis? So what if, if you could write a headline for the Philadelphia Inquirer, what would it be about this industry right now? If I could write a story for the Philadelphia Inquirer today that is underreported, is truly the impact, the impact. Let me, can I write two stories? They're you can write there. as many as you want, <laughs> but you can't paint them. Yes, yes, hey, I'll write them. The very first one would be the impact of a lot of the indications on the entire family. Let me pick one. Autism, uh, Parkinson's. Um, these are indications that are on the list. These are indications that, you know, generally like you, you saw, right? The, the, most people in the cannabis space, we make this medicines that address very general pre uh, uh, presentations of symptoms. But there are very niche conditions that need focus and the impact of, of, of medicinal cannabis in those populations. Autism is very close to my heart. Um, and part of my goal in this new role is formulating indication-specific medicines that address the symptoms that are unique to those indications, like autism, like Parkinson's, um, um, like, like, like clinical anxiety, like um, opioid addiction. So. That is one story because, you know, it's easy to tell my own story. Oh, I couldn't sleep or I have chronic pain. Cannabis saved my life. But there are families that are dealing with autism spectrum disorder where there's maybe one person with the spectrum disorder, but the entire family is dealing with it. I really think that is underreported. The second one that is underreported is the impact of the history of cannabis in the black and brown family now that it is legal. We should talk about those two stories every day. Because if we do, then it would compel us to do the right thing. So that's my two cents. Those were amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So Dari, anything you want to promote? I was going to say, um, um, Gia says, hello. So I got to plug that. <laughs> hey, shout Gia. Shout out to that. Um, I, I'm not much of a, of a of a plug, but I just want to say, everyone who is working in this space, and everyone who is looking to work in this space, keep keep pushing, keep pushing. Um, I want to say a big shout out to the Ilera Healthcare team in Pennsylvania, both at the Grow in Fulton County Waterfall, PA. Shout out. Um, I want to say, and, and to our dispensary, and also to the Ilera Holistic team in Louisiana. We love you. We are a big family and we keep working together. So thank you very much uh, for having me on the show today and for giving me an opportunity to, to share with you and to have a conversation. Thank you, Dare. This has been great. Our thanks to Dr. Oludare Odomosu, Chief Scientific Officer and Head of the Pharmaceutical Division of Alera Healthcare. 
Check them out at alerahealthcare.com. That's I-L-E-R-A healthcare.com. As always, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at KCSA underscore cannabis and kcsa-cannabis.com or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay, one take.